0: Everyone to another episode of the I O I T podcast. My name is Sriram and I'm here with Edward and
1: Jim. Hey, hey Sriram, long time no see. We
2: took a bit of a break there. Everyone needs a break sometimes, oh. right? And so, uh, so but hey, we're back at it. We're here doing it, and I'm excited for it. Yeah. How's everyone? Uh, how's everyone looking?
0: Good. I had a pretty eventful 2020. You know, I got married. That was one of the reasons why we took a bit of a break. Jim, you had an eventful year too.
1: Yeah, I was going to say at the end of 2019, I had a daughter. She's a wonderful bundle of joy, but definitely a big learning curve for a new dad. And Edwards, he's getting a second master's degree because one isn't just a not enough.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, it's always nice to learn. So uh, fully, fully encourage it for everybody. But yeah, I, I, I did. I, I'm getting a, a master's degree in pharmaceutical chemistry, uh, chemistry. So it's just real interesting. And spent uh, some time in, in New York in the, the spring of, of 2020 and, and onwards, So it's 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 been interesting to say the least and on that note yeah it's talking with being in, in new york in uh, 2020 and i'm sure everyone around the world has seen different things about a new virus the coronavirus called sars cov2 and i think it'll be a really interesting thing to be able to talk about vaccine development the the technology that's been surrounding it that's been able to to create some really innovative opportunities for treating the disease. But with that, I, I do want to just say that none of us are, are doctors or healthcare professionals, and we're all just interested people trying to learn about science and all the different avenues that it comes from technology. And if uh, you or, or somebody near you is uh, feeling like they have questions about it from a, a health perspective, you should definitely reach out to your local healthcare professionals, doctors, um, and people that are, are really trained in the area to be able to um, help you for your individual situation. For us, we're just looking at at, at interesting science and interesting new technology and, and, and trying to discuss it.
1: All right. And now with the legal bit over, <laughs> um, you know, Edward, as you're getting a degree in this, but like, are there different types of vaccines out there? Not just reference to the COVID vaccine, but just like what are the types of vaccines that are out there in the world?
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a that's a great question. At least here in the US, for me when I was little I got a variety of vaccines. I got a um, pertussis and diphtheria, uh, measles. So a variety of different vaccines that are all meant to be able to combat a virus or a pathogen in some sort that is has negative effects on the body and it could lead to serious illness or death and so as you were were asking jim there's tons um, of vaccines you know if you go on on the cdc website you can see that they list out a a variety of vaccines and uh, depending on how you count it there's 26 different ones that are currently available and they all have different aspects of how they work inside the body so even more specifically You can have a a whole pathogen that's been tweaked slightly so that it isn't as bad for for your body and it doesn't cause any disease. It just allows your body to recognize what might be the disease or or the the virus if you got an actual one out in the wild so that your body can fight it. Um, You have subunit types that are just a little piece of the virus and then you have other even smaller parts that are the internal components the, the genetic code which holds all the information for how it interacts with your body and can produce more and and i think that that might be an interesting spot to talk about because for anyone who's not in biology um it's a very central piece to be able to understand of how life replicates itself and and, and continues to to produce more and more which comes into the central dogma as it's called of biology but it, it's very easily explained as DNA makes RNA makes protein. That's the common way and, and what is what is that exactly right so so DNA is the classic double helix that looks like a, a, a twisted up ladder that holds all of the genetic information in, in our bodies. It says it, it has a bunch of these little units called base pairs that are the ATCG letters basically provide almost like a, a, a book of Everything about what your body can make that, Sure. That how does that relate
1: to the vaccine though?
2: yeah, that's sort of like the the overarching aspect, right is that is this everything has this bundled up bit of, of DNA and if but we talk could about be
1: a virus, a bacteria pathogen that's out there, they all have this DNA or RNA, correct?
2: yeah exactly. DNA or RNA just like you said is that it's not just not just DNA and that's one of the things with the new coronavirus this SARS-CoV-2 is that it's actually RNA that goes into the body and so it's that second step that we were talking about and then when that gets into the body the body just naturally, since it is normally how it operates, it just picks up that RNA and it starts to copy it and it makes proteins and that helps to create a, the more of the virus that can then be spread to others it as well. As in your own body, yeah. As in your own body, yeah, exactly.
0: Back in, I think it was high school biology and my biology teacher was saying that like viruses aren't living things because they don't contain all the mechanisms needed to make proteins or replicate themselves, that they had need this secondary host to make the proteins. And I remember thinking, that's the most efficient way of doing things. You know, it's like you contain just the important critical components and then you latch on to for human beings and you hijack their system and replicate more of the virus.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's that's the the incredible thing is that, uh, like you said, they don't have to make themselves. I mean, they can't make themselves. They don't have that ability.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
2: they just send it out to somebody else. I mean, it's it's almost like a contract manufacturing in a sense from like a <laughs> yeah. like a real world. Like you just send out all the information yeah. to something else that does all the work and then, yeah. you know, makes a bunch here's, of things. Here are the instructions. Yeah.
1: So then. How do scientists create vaccines to, like, where does it stop so that the, your body learns to fight the virus as opposed to replicate the virus? How is the vaccine different from the actual virus?
2: Yeah, so that's a, a, a good question, right? Because um, I think that's definitely top of mind for for everyone when thinking about it. And I was listening to, to something from a, uh, a professor, Shane Crote, who's at La Jolla um, Institute of, of Immunology. and. You know, it's that you don't actually get the virus, right? Like if you were just to get the virus, it would just work, go immediately, everything. You get something that has a similarity to the virus so that your body can create this really complex immune system um, reaction where you can have these antibodies and these T cells and these B cells. To be able to say, I've seen something like this before. Right. I'm going to react to this because I know it shouldn't be here. Yeah. So you're just training the body to recognize. Yeah. So, so
1: while you train your body to recognize that it is a foreign object that shouldn't be in the body. So you're not actually not always giving someone the virus, but you're actually training to react to an indicator that's also in the virus saying this is not what this shouldn't be in my body. Let me separate it from the healthy cells and get rid of it and you know throw it in the trash.
2: Yeah, yeah. Your body's really good at figuring out like what's not there. Sometimes it's, yeah. it's, it's too good at figuring out those small differences and you can get, you know, autoimmune aspects. But with the virus, I mean, inside of, of some viruses and, and, and pathogens, your body is able to ro- recognize multiple components of a pathogen to be able to say, all these things add up to say, this is not good and this needs to get rid of it.
0: And then specifically for the COVID, you know, they are recognizing this thing called a spike protein, right? What is the spike protein?
2: Yeah, maybe we've all heard of, of the term, right? Coronavirus. Um, and yeah. there's there's two thoughts behind why it's necessarily called a coronavirus. When you um, look at it from a microscopy standpoint, it sort of looks like the corona of a sun with that little outer edge when you hit it with uh-huh. an electron microscope. But then it also sort of looks like a crown, right? You have all of these all of these spikes sticking out, which make it almost look like the like the like a you know a king queen crown aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is the initial component that sticks on to to your body and
1: so what the vaccine is doing is it's showing your body that piece that attaches to your cells correct so it's not necessarily giving you the virus but it's giving you that identifier just the identifier or what the vaccine is doing is showing you a picture of the front of the bus saying you need to move out of the way so that the whole bus doesn't hit you essentially
2: yeah. Dr. Shane Crody, he, he made a very similar analogy um, where he would talk and he say, you know, it's like a car, but you took out the engine, you took out everything on the inside. So it's like it's non-functional. It doesn't work. You just see the outside image. And so it, it can't go anywhere. You maybe you stuff some some different things in there, but it's not the same on the inside. But all you're doing is you're looking for that outside so that you can recognize that outside
1: and say this is something dangerous that shouldn't be in my body.
2: Yeah.
0: Is this like the first time they're doing something like this or is this what's typically done for any
2: vaccine? So the general principle, I mean, it's been it's been used a lot for recognizing. Right. But then what they're really doing, which is really cool, is they're doing what's called MRNA. So that, that middle part, right, that we say of the central dogma, um, where proteins are kind of the functional aspects of how mm-hmm. our body reacts and, and works in a variety of different things are protein. But what they're doing is instead of trying to manufacture that protein and then provide it to people so they can start recognizing that, uh, that protein, um, because that can have a lot of challenges in the manufacturing process. They're just giving them this little strand so that their own bodies will be able to produce it and will be able to internally recognize it and replicate it. Because the uh, the interesting thing about the, the coronavirus spike protein is it's a trimer. So it has three of these encoded regions, all st- that are I- identically the same, all stuck together to make one larger structure. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, going back to your analogy of the picture of the car, you're not showing your body the picture of the car. You're sending it the, the file and then the, your body prints that picture and, and then recognizes. it. Is that that's yeah. a very stretched analogy?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's sending it the, the plans to, you know, to, to the weld picture. the body parts together. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like, oh, OK, now I know. recognize it. it. OK. Yeah.
0: yeah. One of the things that we've been hearing a lot about this vaccine is like how fast it was developed. Even the program in the US is called Warp Speed. So the, the speed and the way it was made seems to get a lot of attention. What makes previous, it so unusual?
1: Well, the previous record was mumps and it was a four year trial from when they took the first sample of it to when they started widespread vaccinations. This three months after the first case was detected in China, they started human trials. Wow. December, they got the first cases in. By March, they were already starting human trials. For vaccines. like It's absolutely crazy. And one of the things that really assisted them that I found interesting was AI and models thrown into these AI programs. And they're saying the AI came back with, hey, this is the part of the spike protein that you need that will help you identify that this is the coronavirus. So AI actually played a huge part in identifying what that spike protein was triggers that immune response from your body. So I thought that 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 in itself was fascinating. And that's one of the reasons they're able to put it into people's bodies less than a year after it was first detected. It showed up and boom, we have a vaccine for it, which is just absolutely crazy that we're doing this. And I mean, that actually opens the door for a lot of other potential vaccines in the future, um, using this AI to determine what appropriate immune responses from your body. I was reading an article saying that this could lead ways into, you know, HIV vaccinations. And um, so it's just, it's, there's, this is great in that we're using it for here and now, and we're able to sort this out, but this can also help with future vaccinations for diseases that we know about that we don't have vaccines for, and for future pandemics. Mm-hmm. So we're able to do this and find this, and just the, the technology out there to f- identify this is just absolutely crazy nowadays, because in order to unfold that spike protein, it can take a very long time um, to map it and do all that stuff where you throw the data at AI and it's able to help out a lot. I mean, AI is not going to do everything, but it is helpful in getting you pointed in the right, scientists pointed in the right direction.
2: Yeah. And And, I mean, you know, talking about AI and the new technology, it's it's amazing and it's fascinating, right? And the, the first pandemic that's been talked about is is the uh the pandemic of 1918 the flu pandemic of 1918 right and and back then they didn't they didn't know what viruses were you it wasn't able to be imaged they were they were simply just too small right and um back then it was thought that it was uh, a bacteria because that's what we were able to see and they kept trying to treat it but they kept finding out that you know they were having these really weird success rates that were just completely random because they weren't actually treating the um, the virus; they were treating the the secondary bacterial infections. And and you know, being able to now get into this point where now we can take the the DNA or the, the RNA in this case and be able to make an approximation and say, okay, this is most likely the section that makes the protein. You know, now we can test that. We can make sure. Um, it, it it opens up this this huge possibility because in the body, you know, there's twenty thousand. Or, or more proteins, and we can't extract all of them and image all of them and be able to see these, you know, highly detailed levels to be able to make um, aspects. We we have to be able to make these approximations to be able to work in a timely fashion because with the pandemic, it's time is of the essence. You you have to be able to uh, to do something quickly. If it took four years to build the next vaccine, at the rate that uh, infections are going, that would be a very long time and and might not exactly be necessary unfortunately after that period of time you know so it, it really necessitates the the need for speed
0: yeah and i think one of the important factors we need to emphasize is that this this development of vaccine didn't happen in a vacuum that there were years and years of basic science research that led up to this creation whether it be the tools of genomic sequencing or AI technology. So like basic science research laid the groundwork so that the scientists developing the vaccines were able to use those tools to tackle this problem.
2: Yeah. And and, and I think we should also, you know, emphasize as well that science is all like you were saying, right? Science is this amalgamation of um, of, of incremental improvements. And even with, with this one, you know, you have all those bioinformatic tools. The mRNA technology has been, uh, uh, it's being worked on for the last 20 years to try to, to find its use case, to find a way to bring it out. So, People can go read about this scientist,
0: Catalin Carrico. She's the chief scientist for BioNTech, or the Pfizer partner in developing this vaccine. And she spent 30, 35 years of her career learning about mRNA and in fact she almost she didn't get a tenureship because people thought the research she was doing at mRNA was meaningless. This is back in like 1990 and she just kept at it and now here's all this basic science research that's enabling the, the doctors and the scientists at the, the pharmaceutical companies to develop this vaccine at such a fast rate.
1: That's incredible.
0: What about the other aspect of
2: doing it this fast? Has it been rigorously tested or yeah, right I think that's always always a question um, and, and something that I've really found interesting right, studying pharmaceutical chemistry is is how do you make sure that when you put something out into the public um, into the people that you're not going to be doing bad by trying to do good right? How, how do you ensure that safety and, and that's always the top um, aspect that the FDA Um, looks at. There is this rigorous clinical trial where it's a phase step so that you basically make it less and less risky over time so that it becomes a safe thing that you can give out to people. Because if you're going to hurt people, then when you're trying to to treat them and help them, it it doesn't really help out a lot, right? And so they have this system where it's called clinical trials. Um, And so I think there was a lot of talk about clinical trials and um, and people going and doing them, and where they happen, and so I believe for the so far, you know, we're talking here in the the very beginning of, of 2021. It looks like about two have been approved in the U.S. England, I believe, has has implemented a, another one, and between those, I believe that 70,000 people um, have received vaccinations um, to look at that safety and efficacy, and after looking at you, you have to go into that, that statistical, right? Because we we can't give everybody in the world the vaccine to try to determine if it's going to be safe, because at that point you've already given it to everyone, right? You have to be able to, to, to make a, a decision beforehand. And so they do a statistical analysis to figure out what number of people need to experience it to be able to find really to find reactions so that we can understand what the safety profile is and there are far more qualified people that sit and peruse that right and and look at it and do the do out the math and be able to figure out what's the likelihood that we see somebody have a bad reaction to it and the fda there's they're they're not interested in putting out something i i'm not i can't speak for the fda right this has to be be them but in all of their information they they very much are interested in the safety of people and that's always what is indicated in phase one phase two and phase three is the top aspect is safety if it's not safe it's it's not gonna go and and that's always the thing
1: phase one two and three of what is that like how you get a vaccine from lab testing to humans in mass quantities
2: yeah. So phase one, phase two and phase three is generally the method for bringing pharmaceutical products, be it um, drugs um, that you would take or vaccines that would be administered um, into in patients. And you start with animal, um, animal trials. And so you, you take mouse models and you see what happens inside of, of a living organism.
1: Um, I just wondered this. Why do they always use mice?
2: Yeah. Well, so I I mean, they're well studied. Um, We know a lot about them. They're relatively complex systems. We have been able to create a lot of different models of mice that can be able to emulate um, potential for the the human condition. Now, there's always the caveat that because it works in a a mouse doesn't mean that it works in in a human. Um, And there's always ways to try to find new aspects. You know, if we... Want to go into, into the weeds, um, you can always have, like, organoids. Basically, you can grow up many models of, of, of human organs to be able to test it. But right. um, the best way, right, is, is it's the first complex full organism to test in, right? right? And then phase one truly is first in human. That's that's the, the name provided for it. It's first in human because it's the first time a human will ever have the, the drug or vaccine um, inside their system to see what happens and um, and that is the all of them are, are highly regular but that step is is really being looked at to say is this safe and so we use healthy humans that aren't at risk for serious side effects usually and so you say okay if I give it to a healthy human being that has no indication of having any serious side effects is it okay you know and, and if it doesn't pass that, if it doesn't pass that muster, it just doesn't go on. There's a massive drop off between phase one and phase two, um, just because it has to be the utmost safety and secure um, uh, data has to come out of it. Yeah. And that's and always I, a small trial.
0: And at that point, they're not even looking at whether the drug works, they're just looking at whether the drug causes any side effects.
2: Yeah, yeah. And in most cases, and so you can have micro dosing, where you give such a small amount that it doesn't actually create any, create any physiological change from like a disease perspective, but you'll see a response by the um, immune system. And it's like one to 10 patients. I mean, it's a very small amount, um, but you can see it. And then it moves on to that phase two. So you, you, know, you don't look for any efficacy, anything. You move on to the next phase to say, okay, we know it's safe. Now let's see if it actually starts to work right and then you can start building i think in these in these recent ones i think they had about a thousand um patients in their phase two and of course the first line is is it safe do we have right if we see one one reaction inside of a thousand then inside of the human population where we have billions right that begins to add up and so you make sure you don't have any reactions there and then you start saying okay does it work you know, and, and usually you'll have two, two or three test groups to say which one works the best. And then where can we move that into another one where now you get into um, these models where Moderna and, um, and Pfizer are using 30,000 people, uh, you know, up to 30,000 people. And, and still you have to look, say, OK, do we have one reaction inside of 30,000? You know, because then it, can we extrapolate that and say inside the U.S. even um, we have 330 million people, right? And so, if you have one in, in 30,000, then that would be then that would be about 11 11,000
1: people. So, is that the phase three when you get to that many people, the 30,000? Yes. And yes. So, but you can, but that is still really well regulated because, like we found out with the Pfizer vaccine when it was first introduced in the UK, you know, people that had bad allergic reactions to other things had a inflammatory response to this as well. So they said, all right, if you have bad allergies, don't get this right now. We are going to try and work on the next thing. Because they it's not like, oh, we're just if one person out of 30,000 doesn't get it, they're just going to scrap it. They're like, all right, well, why did this happen to this type of person? So usually you get to phase three, it's probably pretty safe in most humans. And then they start looking for the outliers of what can cause problems. I mean, is that why, like, in some of these – drugs you know these commercials you see on tv like if you have 10 symptoms you need to make sure you go get checked out
2: yeah right and and that's uh, that's actually a really a really great point right is that during these processes of of tracking the um, development of uh, of a vaccine or of a drug every volunteer is required to be able to tell their doctors about what their symptoms are so if you come in one day and you have a headache that has to be written down because that is a potential side effect. And so those have to be tracked and you have to look and say, okay, did everyone get a headache when they were taking this? Did everyone get muscle pain? Did everyone get this? Right. And so that headache might not have been because of, of the, of the vaccine or the drug, but it's important to be able to take that data point because if you can see it in a, in a growing number of, of, of people, then you will be able to relate that is a side effect. But, in, in, in the human biology and in, um, and in medicine, uh, one thing that we would talk about in, in my um, biomedical engineering class would be that there is no such thing as an outlier. Every data point is significant because every person is different. Um, and you have to make sure that you write that down and you don't decide that it's not relevant because it's always relevant.
1: I'm really no, glad I'm, I'm an electrical engineer, and not a biomedical engineer.
2: Don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, that PCB;
0: it's
1: just malfunctioning.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so it's a bad that's bad okay. Bad stuff, you know, you just
1: trash it. <laughs>
2: or just solder some <laughs> wires onto it, right? Just a few connections will not <laughs> That's how you solve everything. Just swap <laughs> more wires. Yeah, hey, <laughs> that's how I understand it, right? Yeah. No, or but it's just, just dip it just, in some water. Um, as you know, talking about this with the animal trials and then the clinical trials of phase one, phase two, and phase three, a lesser known trial that probably most people haven't heard about is, is a phase four trial, which is the ongoing surveillance for all, um, approved medicines, medications, vaccines that are out there. So that, um, that safety aspect is always being looked at and always being observed The FDA will be able to continue to collect the information. All companies are required to be sending back that information of any adverse effects or um, event data um, that can then be looked at and and the um, safety can continue to be evaluated.
1: Um, It's just fascinating that they, for me, the biggest thing out of this was that they went from discovering this virus to human trials in three months. To me, that's just that that's what blew my mind for this, you know, researching and going back and looking through it. And the fact that they were able to start pushing this into humans already is very, you know, noteworthy. But the fact that they were able to just do it so quickly just blew my mind. There was one company, Innova Tech or something that's not quite right, that on January 10th when China released the like initial findings, their data, they put that sequence into their AI program and in three hours they had an optimized like vaccine trial ready to start testing like from this AI, like obviously they needed to synthesize it and create it and all that, but they had like the sequencing they wanted to try within three hours, three hours. Incredible.
0: This, I mean, this, this vaccine development, it has to go right up there with like the space program and and, you know, in terms of like human accomplishments. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you know, when you can with these programs, the the combination of deep learning, you know, and, and these AI programs to be able to to provide it the genetic sequencing in three hours, you know, have something come out. I mean, there's a there's a show that I really I, I like space and um and exploration in and future and, and of course I like the, the biological aspects of, of thinking about different you know ways life creates and, and interacts right and so there's this uh this tv show that they were able to to go to this new planet but they got this this bacteria um in them and they couldn't understand why only one person didn't get affected by it but they found out it's because they had some secondary aspect where they were taking these these medications that was able to counteract the aspect of it um or, or, or the the ability for it to to take hold and the person said, uh, the doctor there said, oh, you know what, um, I have this little machine that now I can just synthesize all of the all of the medication that I need so that we can vaccinate all of the people that are on this expedition. So now we're all going to be safe. And, um, you know, it might seem very futuristic, but but I do think that, you know, this provides the opportunity to say if we have a, you know, a bad virus that comes out that, you know, within hours we could have potential these potential snippets. And then maybe even instead of it taking a year, it could take days or, or weeks, or maybe we'll we'll be able to know so well that within that three hours, that when that machine spits out a sequence that we can press go and it makes it, and you can have an injection right there, right? I, I mean, that's <laughs> that's the, the potential that, that we could be able to have from being able to understand these aspects and, and have this new technology developed.
1: Very well, exciting time and really cool science. I really enjoyed reading about the science
2: for me it's it's fascinating because i like proteins and 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 rna um and and the delivery mechanisms of of, of medication so um i mean for I, I hope one day to be able to make it so that instead of having to, to take a, a shot because yeah, i'm not that big of a fan of needles that you'll just have a um, an oral medication to take to for your vaccinations um but you know it's 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 incredible the uh, the new developments that are being made um, every day with medicine um, and vaccines, especially right now.
0: And with that, let's just uh, look out for life returning to normal and podcast returning to its regular schedule for IOIT. I'm Sriram. I'm Jim.
2: Uh, And I'm Edward.
0: Thank you, everyone. Thank you, especially to all the healthcare workers keeping us safe and all the frontline workers and the first responders. Thank you so much. Uh, We'll be back next week. Bye.